Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus actually quotes this. It's recorded in Mark chapter 9, where Jesus is speaking about punishment to come, and he uses this very language here. The worm does not die and the fire is never quenched. And so during that reign of Christ on earth, there will be a place that will be seeable where his enemies are in prison. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Isaiah chapter 65 through 66. Now, here's Pastor Brian. A few years ago, I saw this pretty fascinating documentary on a particular lion that's in captivity that will not eat meat. The lion is a full-blown vegetarian. <laughs> the lion will only eat, you know, vegetation. Just, you, you know, you can put any kind of meat in front of this lion that you want and it is not going to touch it. This has no taste for it. You know, you pile some oats in front of it, and it's going to it's going to gobble down the oats, or you know, whatever, whatever you put it, whatever kind of vegetable you put in front of it. And when I saw that, I thought, wow, this is exactly what Isaiah is talking about. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Amazing, amazing. You know, evolutionists have tried to argue that because of the fangs and so forth on these, you know, different types of animals like a lion, for example, or a wolf, unlike an ox, that, you know, this surely is a a sign of evolution, that over a process of time in order to sustain themselves, they had to, you know, grow these fangs in order to hunt and be able to kill and all of that. And you know, if if all the animals were originally herbivores, why would they have these kinds of teeth? And, you know, so this is an argument that has been put forth against uh, creation, you know, an argument in support of evolution and so forth. But it's interesting that, you know, what some have begun to realize is that in the fangs and the and the sharp teeth are needed for eating lots of, you know, trees, bark, things like that, ripping things apart and getting to, you know, down to the the core of something. And, And so, you know, it doesn't, fangs are not any kind of a, you know, proof that there must have been an evolutionary theory. God created these creatures with fangs. And I don't think the lion is going to be defanged. I think the lion, just like the one I told you about, I wish I could remember his name. It wasn't Clarence. Clarence was a cross-eyed lion that was on TV when I was a kid. Um, But that will be the case. But it will be uh, universal among the lions, not just the one I saw on TV. So the dust shall be the serpent's food. The serpent always gets the dust. But here's the beauty. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, says the Lord. Wow, amazing. Now, 
So thus says the Lord. Now, this is where it gets really heavy right here. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? So there's a house that's being built for God. But here God speaks and says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. You know, what, what is this house that you're building me? As we go on right here, I want to show you that this is a reference to the third temple. And the third temple, we could call it, I think legitimately, we could call it the Antichrist temple. It will be built, I think, probably by permission from this person known as the Antichrist, or maybe, you know, not known yet as that person, but this false messiah. He will be the one who will allow this temple to be rebuilt. He will be the one who will set up his image in this third temple. So there is another temple that's going to be built in the future. And the, what's called the abomination of desolation. An abomination is another title for an idol. This idol that brings worldwide destruction will be set up there. And that will be the image of this beast, this person we commonly call the Antichrist. The book of Revelation doesn't really call him the Antichrist. The book of Revelation calls him the beast. And, but that image will be set up there and the world will then be called upon to worship the image by receiving a mark. We'll get into all this when we get into the book of Revelation. And this temple is completely disregarded. God does not acknowledge this temple. That's why he says, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you build me? In other words, he's saying, I don't acknowledge this house. Now, look what he says. He says, and where is the place of my rest for all those things my hand has made and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look. So here's the one that I'm going to acknowledge, God says. And he's contrasting, you know, it's the people of the temple that's being built, but he's not going to acknowledge that. He's, here's the one I'm going to look to. The one who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. That's who God is going to acknowledge during this time. He's going to acknowledge those who hold fast to his word, not to those who cling to this temple. Now, listen to what he says about the temple. He says in verse three, he who kills a bull, so a bull would be offered as a sacrifice for the temple, right? He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Wow, that is unbelievable. Now, this, now remember, this, this is a long time ago. This is before the destruction of, of uh, Solomon's temple. Uh, so some people would say, oh, this is a reference to the Roman temple um, or the temple that the Romans destroyed. But the sacrifices in the temple the Romans destroyed were legitimate. Zerubbabel built that temple. And got at the, at the instruction of the Lord and the temple sacrifices were reestablished. So there was never a time when God said about that temple that the sacrifices are unacceptable. But there is a temple 
where sacrifice will be offered that is abominable to God. A lamb is like you're breaking a dog's neck. Now, a dog is an unclean animal. A swine is an unclean animal. The Gentile rulers that would come through and ransack Israel, they would often sacrifice a swine on the altar to defile it. And so God is saying to these people who are trusting in this temple that their sacrifices are detestable to him. That's what he's saying. So he doesn't acknowledge this this temple. Now that temple will be destroyed during the tribulation period. And believe it or not, Jesus will build the fourth temple. There will be a fourth temple. And Zechariah tells us that, that the man who is called the branch, and that's a reference to Jesus, and I think it's Zechariah chapter five, that man, he will build the temple and he will sit upon the throne and he will bear the glory and he will be both a king and a priest upon his throne. So there's a fourth temple coming. The third one's not even built yet. There's talk. I could tell you all about the trips to Israel where I've been to the different places there where they're seeking. The Temple Institute is a place where they're full steam ahead, want to get the temple built. As a matter of fact, it's so interesting. This is an interesting twist on things. Just before COVID-19 arrived, I was reading about the Jews who found where they believe, you know, they, they, I mean, some of them want to rebuild the temple. But what they had decided to do is they had decided that they had this altar that was adequate. It was sufficient. They could have sacrificed on it. Uh, they were going to actually offer a sacrifice on this altar this year on the Temple Mount and for them, that would be the, the next inevitable thing would be the necessity of building a temple because we started the sacrifices and then we have to have a temple in order to carry on with the sacrifices. So, so that was a plan that there were certain people that that was a plan that they were fully committed to carrying out. And then COVID came and shut the world down. It's very interesting. But all that to say, if you go to Jerusalem today, if you go to the Temple Institute, they will walk you through. They'll show you the priestly garments. They'll show you the various utensils that were used in the sacrifices and, you know, all of this. And they will tell you, we are preparing for the temple to be rebuilt. I was in that a few years ago, listening to their presentation. And I happened to ask the the guide that was talking to us. I said, well, you know, where does the Messiah fit into the picture here? And it was really interesting. The response was, well, we don't know what the Messiah is doing. We can't wait around for him. Uh, we got to get this temple built. So if he's coming along, he can help us. If not, we don't care. We got to get the temple built. I thought, wow, what a, what a crazy response. And, and interestingly, part of the conversation was uh, they were building the temple according to the rabbinical specs rather than according, according to Solomon's specs. And I asked that question. I said, well, you know, Solomon in the text itself tells uh, the dimensions of the temple. Why are you not taking Solomon's and instead you're taking the the rabbinical blueprints for what the temple should look like? And they 
oh, well, you know, the, the biblical ones aren't as good as the, the rabbinical ones, they, they said. So. so all of that to say, there is a movement afoot to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And it will be rebuilt, but it will not be the Lord's temple. It will be a detestable temple to him that will be destroyed during the tribulation. And so just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations, so I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. Remember what I said, when I called, no one answered. Jesus came to them. And he spoke to them, but they would not listen. But they did evil before my eyes. They chose that in which I do not delight. Hear the word of the Lord. So here's the word of encouragement. You who tremble at his word, listen to this. Your brethren who hated you, who cast you out for my namesake said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy but they shall be ashamed. So here we're talking about, remember the Lord says, I'm gonna acknowledge the one who holds fast to my word. And now he's speaking to those and those who hold fast to his word, they have been pushed out. And so you see again, what's happening with this third temple is there is an allegiance between the Jewish leaders and the false prophet. And for the believers, the true believers, they're being thrust out. No, you don't have any part of this. This is our thing. And the Lord is saying, actually, no, they don't have any part in what I'm doing. And God is saying that he's going to glorify. He's going to bless those who tremble at his word. And the others are going to be ashamed. So the sound of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Shall I bring to the time of birth and not cause delivery, says the Lord? Shall I, who caused delivery, shut up the womb, says Your God, rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her. All you who love her, rejoice for joy with her. All you who mourn for her, that you may feed and be satisfied with the consolation of her bosom, that you may drink deeply and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. So shall a nation be born at once. So this is, again, talking about the now the time where God judges the wicked among Israel and those who have followed the false Messiah, and he begins to reestablish his covenant with the people. And so verse 12, for thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river, and the glory of the Gentiles shall be like a flowing stream. Then you shall feed on her sides, you shall be carried and be dandled on her knees as one whom his mother comforts, so I will comfort you, and you shall be comforted in Jerusalem." When you see this, your heart shall rejoice. Verse 14, and your bones shall flourish like grass. The hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and his indignation to his enemies. For behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh 
and the slain of the Lord shall be many. So the book of Revelation goes into the details of those judgments. Those who sanctify themselves and purify themselves to go to the gardens after an idol in the midst, eating swine's flesh and the abomination of the mouse shall be consumed together, says the Lord. Again, these are all the idolatrous practices. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues and they shall come and see my glory. Wow, isn't that amazing? God's gonna gather everyone, just as the New Testament tells us, which is really uh, quoting from Isaiah, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God says, everyone's gonna come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them and those among them who escape, I will send to the nations, to Tarshish and to Pol and to Lud, who draw the bow and Tubal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off who have not heard my fame nor seen my glory, and they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. So this is really fascinating. It's just reminding us that, you know, all of these, you know, end times events, these final events, they, they happen in a geographical area. They happen in Israel. So there are going to be people in far off places in the world who are not going to know the details of all this that's happened. And as the Lord establishes his kingdom, the word is going to go out. They're going to carry the message of God's glory out to the farthest reaches of the earth. That's an amazing thing to me. And then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of all the nations on horses and in chariots and in litters, on mules and on camels to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, as the children of Israel bring an offering and a clean vessel into the house of the Lord. And I will also take some of them for priest and Levite, says the Lord. Here it is. For as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make shall remain before me, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all flesh will come to worship before me, says the Lord. So universal worship of the Lord in the new heaven and the new earth. And final words, they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me and their worm does not die and their fire is not quenched and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. So Jesus actually quotes this. It's recorded in Mark chapter nine where Jesus is speaking about punishment to come and he, he uses this very language here. The worm does not die and the fire is never quenched. And so during that reign of Christ on earth, there will be a place that will be seeable where his enemies are imprisoned. And that's what's being talked about here. So, so that's Isaiah, all 66 chapters. Wow, I can't believe it. Um, you know, when, as you finish a book, <laughs> I, I think this is probably true with more than just me, but as I finish a book, I think, oh gosh, well, I, I should have taught this. Why didn't I go for, and into detail on that and all that. You look back over it and you think, oh, I could have done such a better job. So I thought, oh, I finished Isaiah. I wonder when the next time will be that I get around to teaching Isaiah. 
and I don't know. <laughs> it could be a long time because we're making a journey through the Bible. So it uh, could be quite a while before we ever get back here. We might never get back, at least with me as the teacher. But let me just read off to you. I said at the beginning, I wanted to give you what I think are key verses. There are more and other ones that you might find yourself and say, oh no, this is one of my favorite. But these to me are all just the key verses in Isaiah. Many of these are messianic. Many of these are quoted in the New Testament. So I'm gonna just read them off. And that's why I asked you to get a pen earlier or to have your keyboard handy so you could write them down. Because I think if you just went back and took these 19 passages and just read over them, you know, kind of devotionally, I think they would really bless you and encourage you. So Isaiah chapter one, verse 18. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be white as snow. I'm not gonna quote every one of these, but that, that's, that's that one there. I think it's a fantastic one. Isaiah 7, 14, the virgin bearing a child. Uh, Isaiah 9, 6, a son is born, uh, government shall be upon his shoulders, a child is born, son is given. You know, the great passage about the incarnation, the Christmas passage, chapter 11, so that's 7, 14, 9, 6, and 7, chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, and then 4 through 10. That's a great passage on what the millennium is going to look like. Chapter 28, verse 16, speaks of Jesus as the precious stone. Uh, chapter 35, verses 3 through 6, talk again about the conditions of the kingdom when the Lord returns. Beautiful passage. Chapter 40, verses 28 through 31, verse 31, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. One of my favorite passages of all time. And the verses leading into it are wonderful. Verses 42, five through, or chapter 42, verses five through seven. Chapter 43, verses two and three. And then 18 and 19 in chapter 43. Uh, chapter 46, verses nine and 10. Did I skip 41? I think I did. 41.10. Don't forget that one. 41.10. That's a fantastic passage on the Lord. You know, fear not. God's got us by um, his right hand and he's going to take care of us. 46, 9, and 10, as I said. 53. Obviously, all of chapter 53 is so significant, but verses three through seven are really, you know, the key passages that speak of the atonement, specifically chapter 54, verse 17, chapter 55, verses six through 11, chapter 57, verses one and two, chapter 59, verses one and two, along with verse 19 in chapter 59. Uh, chapter 61, verses one through three, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, that beautiful prophecy that Jesus fulfilled. Uh, chapter 65, we just read it, but verse 17 and verses 24 and 25, creating the new heaven and the new earth. And then 66, just the verses that we looked at, 22 through 23. So those are my recommended memory verses. And you know, there's nothing quite like memorizing scripture because you, you store God's word in your heart. And then at those moments in life, it, it comes back. God brings it by the spirit back to us as we've stored it in there. So... I pray that you'll take that away from Isaiah.
for the month of September. Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller. With so much social, cultural, and relational unrest, all of us need to forgive or be forgiven in either small or significant ways. Have you ever found it difficult to forgive someone for a wrong they committed against you? What if that person never apologized? How can you forgive someone who hasn't even acknowledged they have done something wrong? In his book, Forgive, Timothy Keller lays out the path of forgiveness that leads to reconciliation rather than the path of unforgiveness that can lead towards retaliation. You'll learn about the power of forgiveness that can bring freedom both to the one who forgives and the one who has been forgiven. We are living in a time where forgiveness is desperately needed. If you're struggling with forgiveness or even guilt, then you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Forgive, Why Should I and How Can I by Timothy Keller is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series with the book of Jeremiah. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.